after me. This is God's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that as I share that, Father, every heart would be receptive, that every person, Lord God, would be willing and, and ready to receive and enact, apply this word. I pray this morning, Lord God, that you would wear me like a glove. That the substance of what is said and done would be from you. That every person would hear beyond my voice. They would hear your voice in the deep recesses of their hearts. They would hear God speaking to them themselves. And that, Father, we would leave this place different than we came in. We promise to give you all the praise and all the glory. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say... Amen, 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 amen. Well, I'm so excited because we're coming to the end of the year. And every November, I usually try and take some time off and plan for what my next year is going to look like. I usually sit down and try to put a vision together for my life, my marriage, my kids, and try and put some things together, look at our values as a family, and try and just sit down with everybody at some point and say, guys... This is what we're doing. I I sit down with my kids now that they're older and I ask them, what are your goals for the next year? What are you looking for? How can we partner with you to make sure what you want to do come to pass? Now, most people wait until after Christmas because celebration is too much. And then after Christmas, right around December 31st, people put that together and they call it New Year's resolutions. Right, you know New Year's resolutions. How many of you have ever done a New Year's resolution? Let me see your hand. Okay, wow, okay. How many of you think it's stupid so you just don't do it at all? All right, cool, all right. A couple of, all right, that's not bad, that's not bad. Um, Only 9% of people who actually do a New Year's resolution fulfill them. That's a discouraging statistic, isn't it? (laughs) But New Year's resolutions still remain very, very popular. In fact, I was looking up last night, and I have a graphic to show you about New Year's resolutions coming up in the year of 2018. New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you can make it out, but the first three are actually tied for number one. Tied is, can can you read that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eat healthier, right? Get more exercise and save some money. <laughs> Most of us are that list right here. Um, second place is actually at the very, very bottom. I don't plan on making New Year's resolutions. But look at that. Read more is at number five. That's so discouraging for me. I was like, man, read more is at number five. Look at that. Right? And we go down, you know what? Get a new job is down there. You see, everyone, everybody has these resolutions. And the reason why they, not everybody, but people have these resolutions. The reason why they do it is because a lot of times they're not pleased with where their life is at. And so they hope that by changing these things, they'll finally be happy with themselves. What was really interesting about the resolutions as you look at them is that everybody's trying to find happiness in self-improvement. If I can just get better, I'll be happier with me. 
If I can just do more or do less, right? I'll be happier with me, right? It's always something about me that they're trying to do. And one of the things that they have not, as I look at this list, the thing they have not added to this list or is on this list at all, is the only one who can actually bring them happiness. Is the only one who can actually bring them lasting change. Is the only one who can actually cause them to feel fulfilled. And that's God. And so... They want all these things, right? Kind of like, um, what's that? There's, there's, this, there's a piano player, Alicia Keys, remember her? Yeah. She's like, some people want diamond rings. <laughs> I don't want anything, because everything ain't nothing. If I don't have you... And that's kind of the problem here, is that, that people are looking for all these things without recognizing that without Him, we don't got nothing. We don't got nothing. So today, I want to talk to you about a vision to please God. A vision to please God. Revelation 4 verse 11 says, For thou art worthy, O Lord. I love this, I love this. For thou hast, watch this, created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Here's what he's saying. John, the revelator, he's he's looking and he's hearing all these angels, and they're saying, God, guess what? You're the one who's worthy because you've created everything and everything exists for your pleasure. That's powerful. When that lion roars, that gives God pleasure. When that flower blooms, that gives God pleasure. Why? Because they're fulfilling the purpose for which they were created. And everything that God creates, God creates to bring Him pleasure. And the only way it brings Him pleasure is if they do what they were created to do. Are you following me so far? And so as believers, our main goal and our main vision, the thing that we ought to be concerned about is bringing God pleasure. We ought to be concerned about pleasing Him. And many believers feel that because they are born again, that that's all that it takes to please God. But there's a difference between God being pleased with you because you're His child and Him being pleased with you because of your behavior. Oh boy, I'm stepping into it now, aren't I? We want to please God as believers in every aspect of our lives. Meaning that we don't just want to please Him because we accepted Jesus, but we want to please Him with our conduct and our character as well. The way we live our lives today determine the blessings we enjoy here on earth and the rewards we get when we get to heaven. The way we live today determines the blessings we get on earth and the rewards when we get to heaven. 2 Corinthians 5. This is what Paul says. He's talking about death. And he says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Watch this next verse. Verse 9. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says, So we make it our goal to please Him. We make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while we're 
while in the body, whether good or bad. There is a day coming when we face the Lord and He says, Hey, here are the rewards I'm giving to you because you have done good in your body. Amen. All right. So your belief determines where you spend eternity, but your behavior determines how you spend eternity. I'm going to say that again. Your belief determines where you spend eternity. But your behavior determines how you spend eternity. There are rewards laid up for those who live in a way that pleases God. And so we need to have a vision to please God. Not just because of eternity, but also because of what happens here on earth. So let me give you four reasons why you need to have a vision to please God. Just right here on earth. Number one, because He saved you. Just because He saved you. Let me tell you something about that. I am so happy that I am saved. I tell my kids all the time, guys, if you knew where I was headed, you'd be glad I was saved too. Man, if I kept going the way I was going before Jesus intervened with my life, you would not have the father you have today. I'd be a different person. I would be so... Look, I have to want to... Listen, I want to please Him. Because I know what... How many of you understand that where you were headed was not where you ended up because Jesus came in and interrupted your life? Now sometimes my kids don't get that because you know what, they grew up in church. and I don't want to grow up in no church. <laughs> Man, if you saw my life, you already would project exactly where I was headed. And it's not here. It's not here. But Ephesians 5, Paul says it this way. Ephesians 5 verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness. I definitely was darkness. Praise the Lord. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as what? Children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And here's what he says. You live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord and do it. So number one, because he saved you. Here's number two. Because you have confidence when you pray. You will have confidence. Listen, God hears you when you pray. But I know, I know because I've been there. When you don't do right, sometimes you don't believe He's listening to you. There's a certain confidence you have when your heart does not condemn you. Are you hearing me this morning? And so first John, this is what John the Apostle says. He says, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because, someone said because. Because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. There is a confidence that we have when we know we're walking in the will of the Lord. There's a confidence we have when we know we're doing what pleases God. There's a confidence. Let me tell you something. When you know that your will lines up with His will, then you know whatever you ask, you're going to receive. The problem happens when you're asking, hey, listen, when you sit down and you start praying, Lord, I know she's married, but God, please. There is no confidence. Come on now. 
Hello? There's no confidence in that. So here we go. Because you have confidence when you pray. Here's another one. Because you have confidence He's with you. You have confidence when He's with you. Here's what Jesus says. John chapter 8. He says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases Him. When you are walking in a way that you know pleases the Lord, you know that in this situation, God has your back. I didn't get in this situation because of my bad decisions. I didn't get in this situation. I know God has my back in this. There's a confidence that you have that Jesus says, in my worst moment, when I'm on the cross, I know that God hasn't deserted me. In fact, he's telling the disciples, guys, it's going to look like God has deserted me. And anybody looking on might say, Oh, I thought he, I thought God was on his side. And everybody looking on might look at my circumstance and think, Surely God is not with him. But because I am doing his will, I know that when everybody else thinks that he's not there, that he is with me. I know when things look wrong, that he is right, that he's working it out for my good. I know that no matter what it looks like in people's eyes, Guys, I'm telling you now. Because I'm doing what pleases Him. Here's here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. Because you want Him to take care of your enemies. Alright, so. Here's, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And I'm going to tell you, I'll give you an illustration. So, um, the Bible says... (laughs) That when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now watch this. Um, If you have one child, you have a certain level of parenting. You know, praise the Lord. But when you have more than one child, there is a different level of parenting. Right? Because, you see, when you have more than one child, you get things like, He touched me! Tell him to stop looking at me! You get all that stuff. No, if you have one child and they're doing that, you need to go to get some professional help. (laughs) But for those of you who have multiple children, you know what I'm talking about. Part of the problem when you have two children or more and they start doing that is that when you're going to correct one oftentimes you end up not having to correct just one you have to end up correcting both because the one who is complaining tend to have a wrong attitude in their response to the one who did the wrong thing how many of you know what i'm talking about in fact my mother used to say two wrongs don't make a right. Exactly. So what would happen is every time she would come in to correct Pastor Sarah, because Pastor Sarah always needed correcting. <laughs> she would also end up correcting me because I responded in a wrong way to the person who did the wrong. Are you following me so far? 
And so what you would have to do is say to me, two wrongs don't make a right. What I used to tell my kids is, Amanda, I would love to correct Joshua alone. But because of your behavior in response to his wrongdoing, now I have to correct you too. If your ways please the Lord, then the Lord will focus on your enemy. But if your ways don't please the Lord, God is going to have to correct your enemy. He's going to have to correct you. And then you're going to be repenting to your enemy. Oh, I'm so sorry. When it's really your enemy's fault. Let your focus on the Lord. Focus on pleasing Him. And watch Him take care of your enemy. So we need to have a vision to please the Lord. With all these benefits. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. This has been the foundation verse for everything. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. I like this version. They cast off restraint. What does that mean? Cast off restraint. It means they have no restraint when they have no vision. Uh, if you flip it around, where there is vision... People restrain themselves. <laughs> Where there is vision, people restrain themselves. If you have a vision to lose weight, you will restrain yourself from eating everything that smells good. If you have a vision to save money, you will restrain yourself from going on Amazon.com. Come on now, I'm helping you. I'm helping somebody get a vision this morning. Hallelujah. Right? If, if, you, if you have a vision to become a doctor, you won't restrain yourself from watching TV all the time. If you have a vision to please God, you won't restrain yourself from going everywhere your friends go. You can't go where they go. You can't go where, you can't do everything they do. You can't be just like them. At some point, your vision to please God is bumping up against your desire to please people. In, fa- I, in fact, uh, Galatians 1 says this, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You cannot continue to please men and please God at the same time. At some point... At some point, it's going to clash. I'm helping you. So, how do we please God? How do we please God? Remember this, your vision determines your restraint. Your vision determines your restraint. Restraint isn't a sacrifice. Restraint is an investment. What's an investment? An investment is giving up something now for something better later. Man, listen. Giving up sex before you're married will make your marriage sex better. Boy, I got a few amens on that one. (laughs) 
Somebody be like, I don't believe that. <laughs> it's all right. You know what? Don't worry about it. I, huh? I'm here to tell you. Mm-mm-mm. Praise the Lord. I just thought I'd throw that one in. Because we're talking about pleasing God. Hallelujah. Thank you for that one hand clap. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I like those yeah, hand claps, hand claps there. It's, it's not a sacrifice, guys. It's an investment. <laughs> Somebody say, I'm, I'm investing in my marriage. I mean, I don't, I'm not married yet, but I'm investing from now in the marriage I'm going to have. You see, what are you investing in your vision? Because every vision requires investment. So what are you willing to invest to please God? What are you willing to invest to please God? Three things we need to please God with. Number one is please God in your ways. Your ways. Uh, Jeremiah 17 says this, I the Lord search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Ways. What does ways mean? Literally, ways means path. The word ways in the Bible means literally path or journey or road or manner or direction or habit. I like that word path. In a figurative sense, it means a course of life or moral character. A lot of people ask the question, is this a sin or is that a sin or what am I doing? Is it a sin? The right question to ask is, is the path I'm on pleasing to the Lord? Here's why. That's it. Because a lot of times what we're doing is not sinful, but the path that we're on is leading away from where we ought to be. Right? We're kind of like, over there is a sin, and we're over here, and we're going, well, this is not sin. Well, this is not sin. Well, this is not sin. Well, this, you understand? But we're, what, we're, whoa! God isn't even, God is not looking at, hey, that's sin. God is saying, hey, where's the path you're on? Are you with me? Uh, Psalm 1 said, blessed is the man who walks not, in the council of the ungodly. Watch this. Nor stands in the what? Path. Somebody say path. There is a path of sinners. Are you standing in it? The path of sinners. It's never too late to get on the right path. So how do you get off of the wrong path and onto the right, right path? First of all, recognize that God sees your ways. Psalm 139 says, You comprehend my path my, and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. God sees the path you're on. That's why you feel conviction when you're doing something and you know it's not a sin, but you feel like it's wrong. Look, if loving you is wrong, it's wrong. Come on now. I don't want to be right. No, you want to be right. You want to be right. You want to be right. Trust me, you want to be right. So recognize that God sees your ways. Here's the other thing you need to do is examine your ways. Lamentation 3.40. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Look, don't wait till you're in the mess. As If you're on the wrong path, turn back to the Lord. Number three, ask Him to show you His ways. David said, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. 
There's a path. Jesus said, hey, wide is the way. Wide is the gate. And the path, the way to destruction. Sometimes following everybody, doing what everybody is doing, is not the right way. Get on the right path. And finally, here's here's, here's the last thing. Submit your ways to Him. Proverbs 3 verse 6. Favorite verse, one of mine. In all your ways... And I like this version. Submit to Him and He will make your what? He's going to make your path straight. If you submit your ways, He'll make your path straight. If you submit your desires, He'll make your path straight. If you uh, submit your goals, He'll make your path straight. If you submit your marriage, He'll make your path straight. If you submit those things and say, God, I'm not in control. I want to give you control. He says, now I can make your path. Straight, because you submitted that to me. So please God in your ways. Here's the other thing you want to do, is please God in your works. Please God in your works. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. What are we trying to do? Create a vision to please God. And so we do it in our ways, but we also do it in our works. Whenever you serve others, you're actually serving the Lord. Think about that. You're created to serve. So God saved you so you could do His work. Serving is not an option for a Christian. Serving is not an option for a Christian. Jesus said this, real quick. He said, uh, for the Son of Man did not come to be served... But to serve, watch this, and to give his life as a ransom for many. A lot of times people try to find a church where they can be served. Instead of trying to find a church where they can serve. Instead of asking, hey, who's going to serve me? Ask, who can I serve? He said, Jesus came and he said, there are two verbs that describe my life. I came here to serve and to give. To serve and to give. To serve and... That ought to be the verbs that define all of us as Christians. Every single one of us ought to be following His example and saying to ourselves, How can I serve? How can I give? How can I serve? How can I give? In other words, if you see a need, meet it. If something needs to be done, do it. In your ways, in your works, last thing. Please Him in your wealth. Please Him in your wealth. Uh, why is... You know, Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord. God tells us how to honor Him. He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And the first fruit of all your increase. He says, Honor me. Why is giving so important when it comes to pleasing God? Because God is a giver. God is a giver. And when we give, we are saying, God, we are like you. But here's the other thing we're also saying. When we give, giving can only be done through faith. When we give, we're saying, God, I trust you. I believe you. I trust you to be my provider. And because we give, and giving happens by faith, we recognize biblically that without faith, it is what? Impossible to do what? To please God. The evidence of us pleasing God comes back down to our faith. And our faith, the evidence of our faith is our giving. 
And so God says, look, no matter what you do, when you trust me is when you please me. When you trust me is when you please me. So when we develop a vision for pleasing God, we need to include giving as a part of that vision. So if you've never tithed, start there. If you've never tithed, start there. If you're not consistent in offering giving, start there. If you are still battling with, you know, the 360, and I get it, look, I know I'm not saying everybody can, you know, have it in their budget. I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying though. Start somewhere. Extend your faith and do something. Give something. Why? Because out of that you're saying, God, I am here to please you in my wealth. It belongs to you. My money belongs to you. If my ways belong to you, you'll direct my path. So I give you my wealth. Direct my path. I give you what I have. So direct my path. Don't wait for New Year's to have a vision to please God. Don't say as soon as Christmas is over, I'll get my resolutions together. And God, you're going to be on top of that list. <laughs> Listen, you don't want God to wait till New Year's to bless you. Hello. I need a blessing right now. <laughs> Man, if you don't want for God to wait till New Year's to please you, then don't wait for New Year's to please Him. Start right now. So today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Begin today. Make a commitment today. God, I'm going to please you. I'm going to please you in my way. I'm going to please you with my works. And I'm going to please you with my wealth. I'm not going one more week, one more day for this year without submitting every part of my life to you. Today, God, I choose to get off the wrong path. I choose to recognize that even though, Lord, I may not be sinning and I may not be doing stuff that just looks wrong, but Lord, I know I'm going down the wrong path right now. I know it. I need to get off. I need to get back to where I was with you. So as you bow your heads, just raise your hand. If you receive this, if you do something about this, you just want to surrender to the Lord. Just receive your hands. Just lift your hands, sorry. And receive this prayer as I just pray over you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, Come on, if you just feel like, you know what? God, I need to just submit my ways. I need to submit my works. I need to submit my wealth to you. Just raise your hands right where you're seated. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name for every hand that is raised, for every person, Lord God, seated who says, I'm, I'm ready, God, to please you in a way that I haven't before. I submit myself fully to you. Jesus name put your hands down if you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus in your heart or maybe you're seated here and you say you know what I, I used to be walking strong with the Lord but right now